Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 147 of the Speaking Club podcast. Today, I want to share this quote from Sun Tzu, which relates to the theme of the show. Opportunities multiply as they are seized. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognize the power of stories and humor in speaking. And because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organizations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey there, I hope you're well. I've got a fantastic show for you today. My guest is Brandon Fong, who learned some of the most critical entrepreneurial skills at the age of 12 from his mum and dad. And using those skills, he made a connection at the age of 22 that changed his life. It led him to work alongside one of the most successful podcasters and entrepreneurs around and gave him access to an elite group of influencers at the top of their fields. And he's continued to build on those skills his parents taught him and create his own method from them. And today he has his own seven-figure business and is helping entrepreneurs use his magic connection method to develop relationships that will change their lives too. And this episode is absolutely chock full of value and I would recommend listening through it twice and making notes. There's so much to help you with your business and your speaking. But before I switch to the interview, I just want to take a moment to thank you for choosing this podcast to listen to. There's so many out there I know, and I really appreciate you choosing this one. And if you are a regular listener and you get value from the show, I would absolutely love it if you would leave us a rating and review over at ratethispodcast.com slash TSC. That's ratethispodcast.com slash TSC. It really means the world to me to know if the show is helping you on your speaking and business journey. Okay, well, enough of that. Let's crack on with the interview. So welcome to the Speaking Club, Brandon Fong. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. Really looking forward to this. I've got lots of questions for you. I'm, I'm very curious about what you've done in such a short space of time. But first of all, <laughs> What I really wanted to know, because I'm guessing that what you do today isn't necessarily what you wanted to do when you were a young boy, but who knows? So that's the first question I've got for you. When you were five, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, it's funny because I was thinking five, you know, five is pretty, pretty young. It's like the kindergarten age. So like, what was I thinking back then? And it's funny because I was raised in my dad's restaurant. So he had a restaurant that was in a food court. And so like, if you looked closely, if you were a customer approaching the counter, you might see a little kid run behind and you might see, cause like, I wasn't tall enough to see over the counter, but you might see like an arm poke up above the counter <laughs> to like, to grab uh, some soda. So I was always trying to hide in the background. So I grew up in an environment where I saw my dad creating systems inside of his business 
And uh, my mom was always encouraging me to complete my project. I guess five years old, you're not really doing projects. But I, from a young age, I really did think that I did want to be an entrepreneur. So maybe that is mm-hmm. not what you thought. But I, I always love the business environment and surrounding myself with people that can really challenge me to become the best version of myself. So I think it was very early on that I started diving into the world of entrepreneurship. Fantastic. Well, that's brilliant. And, and you know, it's nice that you mentioned your parents there. And you obviously you credit your parents for teaching you how to deeply connect and develop the real, authentic and meaningful relations with people at 12. Maybe it sounds like they were doing that even even younger. But how did they yeah. do that? Let me think here. So one of the earliest memories I have outside of like the restaurant is one of the things I did growing up is I'm a huge billiards player or a pool player, depending on how you want to say it. And my dad taught me from a very young age that you don't want to play people that you're better than you want to play people that are better than you. And so I was really from that age, my dad taught me that it was okay to be uncomfortable being around people that are playing at higher levels than you. And so I think that that was a big part of me growing up me to be uncomfortable and challenging me that it was okay to have conversations with people that may know more than you. And so my dad also taught me growing up that the worst thing people can do is say no. So like he would, he would have me go and ask for things at a restaurant just to get me uncomfortable with the fact that somebody might say no to me. And so those kind of challenges are what led me to start having what my parents would call adult conversations. I actually have an early memory of, I would talk to the lunch ladies at school sometimes because it was more interesting than the conversations that the kids would have. The other thing that my parents really did really well is they our house was a constant revolving door of people because they were growing a business. So they had people that they were working with coming in. And so there was never a shortage of me being able to engage in, like I keep saying, quote unquote, adult conversations, things that kids normally wouldn't talk about. And I think that being in that environment of them constantly encouraging me to step out of my comfort zone, be around people that, um, you know, were, knew more about certain things than I did. It really just encouraged me to start developing real relationships with people at a very early age. Oh my goodness. Do you know what? There's probably three things there that that they got you doing when you were young. Uh, That is the stuff that trips entrepreneurs up for years and years and years and something never, ever get over, you know, going for no and that sort of comfort and speaking and being uncomfortable. Um, So that's really cool. That's brilliant. That must have given you a massive head start and edge over quite a few people when you started out. So, and you talk about the skill of connection. Do you think that's one skill or like a a combination of different skills? Can you tell me about what you mean by that? Yeah, I really think connection, there's a lot, there's many, many layers and it's something that you can always get better at. But I think if I were to pick several of the, the most important layers I have a whole process I teach called the magic connection method. And so like, that's the process that I will show how to initiate a conversation with somebody if you don't know them. So like, that's one part of the connection is like, how do you start a relationship with somebody? How do you actually get your foot in the door and begin having a conversation? But then once you have a conversation, there's so many other layers to it as well, because like you need to listen, right. And understand the person that you're talking to. You need to figure out ways that you can add value and be useful to people. There's like even more layers when you start diving into like the whole, um, you know, NLP and, and, and understanding how to like have conversations with people like mirroring and matching people. And so that can be matching their tone of voice. It can be matching their, t- their body language, the pace of how fast they're talking. If they're talking really slow, even though I talk fast all the time, I'm trying to get better at talking slower. <laughs> uh, because I, I listen to all my podcasts at two times speed. So I just, I guess I'm always just going at uh, a million miles a minute. Um, 
but but yeah, I think those that is like the onion. And there's always other layers of understanding how you can deeply connect with people and understand what's really most important to them and really come from a perspective of adding value and, and giving. Well, I'm, I'm curious, if you don't mind just delving a little bit deeper into that first part. So I am very comfortable in front of an audience. You know, I did stand-up comedy, yep. put me in front of lots of people, and I am completely comfortable. But I find it, or used to find, very, very challenging in a networking situation, breaking into a conversation or yeah. or having or starting a conversation. And I was reflecting on this actually just, just this morning about how I think I don't want to bother people or, you know, you don't want to sort of disrupt people or whatever. Or you don't want to shoehorn yourself into the conversation. Could you sort of share how you would do that? How would you glide into the conversation? Glide yeah. into the conversation? What's your magic way of starting a conversation? So I was, I was trying to use it right there when I said gliding the conversation. Ah, there's, there's cool. Really... One thing that you can do, this is something that Chris Voss teaches in his book, Never Split the Difference. It's very, very valuable is that you can simply mirror the last few words that somebody said and in an upward tone of voice and turn it into a question. And, and it's simply like, if you can learn the skill of getting people to talk about themselves, there's really not much you have to talk about. And this is obviously an interview format where I'm the one that's talking here, (laughs) but like in a traditional connection conversation, it's like, I'm just asking a ton of questions and and I'm, maybe it's just because I'm naturally curious, but you know, I just want to figure out as much as possible because who's the person that's, you know, I, I don't want to say winning, but that's the first word that comes to my mind. Who's winning in a negotiation? Is it the person that's talking or is it the person that's listening? And I feel like what, what people really get tripped up about is they feel like they need to have so much to say when really the secret, in my opinion, is learning how to just ask questions and mirror people um, and, and get them to talk more. And so a very simple way that you can do that is exactly what I said is like, as somebody says something, simply just repeat the last few words of what they just said in an upward tone of voice and they're going to expound upon it and they're going to talk more about it. And you can really just, they're not even going to realize that you're doing it. It may seem uncomfortable the first times you do it, but again, the person that is the one that's doing the listening is the one that has the most, uh, you know, ability to control the conversation and really show that you're, you're caring because who's the most important person in the world? It's, it's you, right? The person that's listening, you're always the person, best person in the world. So the more you can get them to talk about themselves, the more comfortable they're going to be, uh, with you in the future when you're, you know, engaging with them. That's perfect. Yeah, I've forgotten that. I remember that from that book now. That's a great piece of advice. And we do love to talk about ourselves. I mean, mean, there's nothing we love more than talking about ourselves. So yeah, thank you for that. And, And so you started networking at 16. Tell me about the first time you attended a meeting. What happened? And and why were you there? What were you looking for at that meeting? Yeah. So what happened is that I, the story I didn't tell in the beginning is that I, I grew up in a very, very loving family, but one of the things we didn't have much of is financial resources. We weren't poor, but like one of the things that my, my, my least favorite part of the school day is I would go through the lunch checkout line and all my friends would be behind me. And I would try to like distract them. Or some days I would hide out in the bathroom is because when I would type in my student ID, it would show up on the screen, Brandon Fong, $0 and zero cents showing that we, we got some help, but I just didn't want anybody to see that. And I was frustrated because we didn't have the resources, but my parents taught me that if you want to be successful, it's not about the resources, it's about learning how to be resourceful. And as we talked about earlier, my parents showed me some incredible ways of being resourceful and learning how to connect with people. And so going into that theme of being resourceful, 
one of the things that, that happened is I was into the entrepreneurship world and I joined a club in high school called DECA. Um, and I had competed at an international competition where I won some state competition and I got to go internationally, but the cost of the trip was like more than I could afford working at my fast food restaurant job at $7 and 25 cents an hour. I was doing the little calculation. I'm like, holy crap, this is going to take me forever to pay for this trip. So what can I do? And so my parents introduced me to my first ever mentor and she taught me how to fundraise. And so what I would do is is she would, she would introduce me to somebody. This is like the most, one of the most valuable lessons I learned. It's like, if you ask for money, you get advice, but if you ask for advice, you get money. And so Brenda, introduced me to these high level CEOs. I was this 16 year old kid. And she would say, I want you to ask them for feedback on your business plan. And then once they've given you feedback and they've helped you out, then you can ask if they'd willing to be sponsor your trip. And so that's exactly what I did is I ended up paying for this entire trip. When I was like 16, I actually got more than enough money because I was asking for feedback on my business plan, which, which was a food truck called the Sizzling Ninja. <laughs> so, you know, it's like absolutely, you know, innovative, crazy, crazy thing. But, but that was the thing that I found that was so that, that got me uh, in the door. And then that's where it comes to answer your question. The first time I ever attended a meeting was one of the people that helped sponsor my trip. His name was Kevin Kowalki. I got invited to go to his networking event. And so it was, it was called the Thursday morning thing that was right in the middle of the school day. And so my parents would let me skip school to go to this networking event uh, in the middle of the day. And I just had the opportunity to interact with people that were literally four times my age, you know, uh, just being the youngest person in the room at all times. I don't really remember much of what specifically happened there, but you know, my parents, like I said, they, they taught me how to have these adult conversations. So it wasn't anything new, but it was just my first taste into the world of relationships and understanding that you can learn so much from people and not as much in a classroom. And so that's when I started really getting interested in, in just learning from people that have experiences instead of just from a textbook all the time. And I wonder if you get this reaction. So I, I would imagine that some people are a bit, you know, when you turned up 16 at this meeting, like, why is he here? What, you know, what's that all about? Have you had that reaction? Have you had that people talk to you like that? You know, I really don't think I have. Um, and it's funny because like this theme, I realized of like having these conversations and another, I haven't been telling my story in a chronological order, which is, which is hundred percent fine. But if you fast forward to my senior year of college, I use these networking strategies that I've been talking about. And I reached out to a really successful entrepreneur. His name is Jonathan Levy. And he had over 100,000 students in his online courses, 1.5 million downloads in his podcast and, you know, all this crazy stuff. And I felt like David versus Goliath. You know, here I was some college kid without that much experience. Who am I to reach out to somebody like this? But I ended up working with Jonathan for three years. I helped increase his podcast downloads by 1.5 million, was also on the team when we added over 100,000 students to his online courses, grew his YouTube channel like crazy. And the reason why I was telling that story is because Jonathan got involved with a high-level mastermind called Genius Network. It cost $25,000 a year to attend. There's another level above that. It's $100,000 a year to attend. You need to be making at least seven figures to be in the room. And Jonathan got into this group and he said, I want Brandon to come along with me to these meetings. And so again, that, that was when I was 22. So I was 22, the youngest person in the room again. And so I realized that, that like that time when I was 16 years old and learning how to interact with people at that level. Like I walked into that room and like lots of people would be scared, but if you come in with confidence, if you come in again, caring about other people and having conversations and being interested in them, that's really all, it's the same stuff all throughout it. And so I was able to kind of leverage that whole experience 
throughout my whole life of being the youngest person in the room. So to answer your question succinctly, I don't think I really ever got an adverse reaction. Like, who are you to be here? In fact, I think the energy that you bring, if you bring it the right way, people are really impressed that you were able to do something at that, at that young age. So very, very blessed that I never really had that opportunity of a, a really negative experience. What interested me as well was that one of the things that you talk about is about adding value to people and the attitude that you come in with. When you were that 16-year-old or when they were that 22-year-old, you know, how would right. you approach that? A lot of people that are starting out in speaking or in business that listen to this podcast may have that fear that they've got nothing to offer um, yeah. to, to be able to connect with people. What would your advice be in, in, that, in that realm? So I'm going to give you a really interesting answer. And I guarantee this is not anything that anybody would expect. I'll, I'll explain something first called the Ikea effect. Mm-hmm. So there was a study that was done on Ikea furniture. I think I might be getting this wrong, but the, the general idea will be right. And they basically found out that people liked Ikea furniture or uh, Ikea products more than other products. Do you have any guesses, Sarah, as to why people value the Ikea furniture more? I think I know the answer to this. Go ahead. Why, why do you think it is? Or why, what is the answer? I think it's because they, they take part in building it and creating it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And there's, so there's, there's many other things that are like this. Like, I don't know if you have them in the UK, but there's a, a thing called Build-A-Bear here. And like, yes. and so these are like little kids can go in and you pay a crap ton of money for this stupid bear, but like you get to, you pay more for it because you pump the fluffing into it and you put a little heart in it. And it, makes it, more, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes it more valuable. Right. And so the reason why I say that is because I think one of the ways that people don't realize that you can add value is to be a person that accepts feedback and then shows and expresses gratitude for the feedback that you were get, that you were given and showed the impact that it makes because it's like Sarah if I listen to your podcast and I said hey I listened to this guy on the show it was super valuable and I reached out to you and I said Sarah thank you so much this is how it impacted my life blah 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 did that give you value it gives people value to know that their work is being taken and actually used so that was that was one of the ways that I I've always considered me to add value to people even though it's not a traditional way of adding value is like I would I would ask good questions I would get key takeaways and things that I could go and implement and I would go and implement them and then just be insanely grateful for the opportunity and what they taught me. And like, so it's kind of a strange way. Like, how did you add value? Like that was the way I was adding value is like people saw that like it was making a difference. They saw how grateful I was. I always write thank you notes and that kind of stuff. And and really just showed that I applied everything that they did. And I think that that was one of the ways that I've just always been able to add quote unquote value to people is just by being extremely grateful for, for the, the relationship that I have with them. That's brilliant. And it's absolutely true. I mean, most people will go into business to make money, but underneath that is also to have an impact and make a difference. And, you know, people talk about legacy and all that good stuff. And it's true. Nothing puts a smile on your face. Well, for, for me, it's getting feedback to know that you helped someone and helped change someone's life in some way. So that's, that's a brilliant piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. We appreciate yeah. that. Cool. Should do more of that myself. And so basically, yeah, you mentioned Jonathan Lever. I don't, I'm, I know quite a lot of people, you know, in the online space and, and so on, but I haven't come across him. I was curious, what were you reaching out to him for? So, so Jonathan is, uh, he's one of the top thought leaders in the accelerated learning and memory space. So it's like, if, if you've heard of the people that can memorize a deck of cards in like 12 seconds or something crazy like that, they're not 
born with crazy memories. They've actually trained themselves to do those crazy memory feats. But if you're listening to this right now, you probably don't want to memorize a deck of cards, but you do want to remember the names of the people that you meet or the books that you're reading. So Jonathan in, in his courses and his accelerated learning and memory courses, he took the processes that these world memory champions are doing to memorize thousands of digits of pi or like this, this exact order of a deck of cards and applied it to helping you to actually remember the things that you want to remember. So, um, he's not as big in like the online marketing space, but like, if you, if you look into like the, the accelerated learning space, Jonathan's one of the, the big people in there, but anyways, he had a podcast at the time called becoming superhuman now called superhuman Academy. And he actually just finished at 300 episodes and put a pause on it. But, uh, I was a huge fan of his podcast. I, I just w- loved what he represented. I loved learning myself and I love the kind of people that he had on the show. And I just thought that I had this strategy. I teach people called the slipstream technique. It's like, instead of reinventing the wheel and trying to figure out where you want to go, why don't you just find somebody who's exactly where you want to be in your career and your health and relationships and find out a way to, to partner and work with them. And so that I viewed Jonathan as somebody that had, a, a, he had an incredible audience. He was making a big impact and he was just somebody I wanted to learn from. So I ended up writing what I consider to be my first magic connection method email, which is the, the process I told you I created. Um, but like I reached out to him and said, you know, thank you so much for putting this podcast together. I loved uh, the episode you did with Noah Kagan. And I specifically liked X, Y, and Z. Here was the results I got from it. Thanks so much. Um, besides wanted to share that with you, I ended up finding a few things on your site that I could help. Yeah. I don't remember what the specifics were, but I created like a irresistible offer for him. And then I said to him, like, I don't want to be paid for it. I want to do it hundred percent for free. And if you don't like my work, I'm not going to be offended at all. No harm done. Like we'll just part our separate ways. But if you do want to find out more about it, then maybe we can have a conversation about what it would look like moving forward. And so, yeah, that one small email turned into me doing several small projects, which turned into me running his marketing and managing his email list of over a hundred thousand people and and getting into genius network and all that other crazy thing. So I truly believe that you're just one connection away from the next level in your business, in your career, in your life, whatever it is. I've always found in my life, I shared the story earlier about connecting with my first mentor that, that helped me fundraise for that trip. Her name was Brenda Campbell. She was the first person that showed up in my life. And then I've had several others. Jonathan was a really big one. And then I have a, an incredible mentor and, and partner, uh, business partner in my life right now. Her name is Jules Duncan. And like, it's always been one person for me. And so I think that if you're going to master a skill you know, learning how to unlock those relationships is really just absolutely one of the most powerful things that you can have. Brilliant. Do you believe that saying that when the student is ready, the master will appear? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And it definitely requires lots of work on your end to, to make sure that you're ready for it. Because it's like, if you're not at the right point in your life where you can accept and, and be there for the right person, then it's not right. And it'll just, the opportunity will pass you by. But I definitely do agree with that. Thanks for sharing that. Again, I love your approach it's humble but it is asking for what you want and I and I think that's what I wanted to know is in terms of the connections you make do you wait until they offer you opportunities or do you always ask for what you want so I mean I guess I I guess I'd want to clarify that in a little bit when you say they offer you opportunities what do you mean by that specifically so let's say you know in the case of Jonathan you reached out with a proposition in a sense. Mm-hmm. So you, you gave feedback and you added value and then you, you made an offer to him, you know, an, mm-hmm. an irresistible offer, which are always the best ones to make. If someone's listening to this and they want to make connections, you know, I guess you've got Gary V will say jab, jab, punch, go, sure. go value, value before you make a pitch or make an offer. Do you do that more often or do you always, you know, do you go for what you want? I mean, your parents taught you to go for no, which is fantastic. And I think one yeah. of the best, best things that you can do, but 
do you see what the situation is in, yeah. in the context at the time or, or always make a pitch? I think that in our minds, we think that we need to either be making something that's valuable or we need to be making an offer, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of view them as like two separate things. But what I think lots of people miss out on is the fact that you can make offers and add value at the same time. That's something that I'm always looking at doing is when I'm having a conversation with somebody, it's like, you know, maybe it's not an offer, but I, you know, I've been networking. I have, I have an incredible network. I, I, I learn and I know so much about business and marketing and my experiences. And so it's like, if I'm going to have a conversation with you, I'm just going to, I'm not trying to make you an offer. I'm going to try to connect you with people. I'm going to try to figure out some strategies, some resources, some books. Like I just kind of have a library in my brain of like different things I can connect you to. I may or may not have an opportunity or, or something, an offer to give you at that moment, but like you're going to become part of my library. <laughs> so when I'm having a conversation with somebody else, if it makes sense that I may come around and I'll, I'll reach out to you again. And maybe if there's an opportunity, but I, I do think that the, the value added approach really makes a lot of sense of, of establishing the relationship first and showing that you're a person. But I do think that if you're, if you are looking at building a business, you always want to look about micro commitments, right? So it's like, if you, if you had a conversation with somebody, what would be the next small step for them to get more into your world? It's, it's always important to be making offers. Cause it's like, I think you're doing people a disservice if you're not serving them to the level that you can. And usually that does eventually amount to some kind of a financial transaction. Um, if you're looking at helping your, your clients or who, however you would, you would consider it to really get the most value is you need to get them to pay for it eventually. Otherwise they can't get away with free stuff or forever. So hopefully that answers your question, but I think that there's a way to do it both at the same time. Yeah, no, it does. That's that's helpful. And I was interested in your view on, you know, I guess you started off at 16 when you were doing sort of face-to-face networking. A lot of stuff happens over social media these days. Do you think it hinders or helps authentic relationship building? I think it does both. Um, and I'll answer that in, in two ways. I think from one perspective, it depends on what side of social media you're on. I leverage social media as a producer of content, not as a consumer of content. And so I think that you can really develop relationships at scale with thousands of people at a time if you're a producer of content. If you're a social media user that's sending, your thumb is getting sore from scrolling all the time, then I do think that it distances us from the real relationships because it's like if you're spending all your time on social media, you're not developing relationships with people face-to-face. So I, I think that's my first answer to that question. Does it help or hinder? I think it depends on if you're a consumer, if you're a producer of content from one perspective. From another perspective too, I think that it does help building authentic relationships because what how blessed are we to be in a world where I can sit and I can do research on anybody and figure out what's valuable to them and make a more valuable conversation based on what I know is valuable to them. And so that's another thing that I think is really important about social media is that we now have access and an understanding of a deep level of what's important to people. And you can show up to a relationship knowing what's more valuable to them than if you were to just go in cold. So I definitely think it, it's about the tool, how you leverage the tool, right? It's, it's the same thing for anything. I was watching a a YouTube video the other day about somebody that he was an intern and he had a $30,000 camera versus somebody that had years of experience and they had a $300 camera and they compared their footage side to side. And like the person with a $300 camera did a better quality job than the person with a $30,000 camera. So it's about how you use the tool as much as it is about the tool itself. So I think that it definitely depends on how, what perspective and what side you're taking on the relationship. Yeah, I think I think from my perspective, I think it's really important still to try and make 
genuine connections on social media because yeah. you feel there is a lot of pressure to try and sort of make contact with lots of people but still I guess there's a benefit from picking a few people to really you know build strong relationships with you either go broad or you go deep I guess and I what's have you got a view on that yeah believe it or not I think there's a way to do both. Like I have this process, the, the magic connection method process. It's a, it's a hundred percent. I mean, if you can tell from the conversation so far, like I believe in creating authentic and genuine relationships with people, but I have a process that allows me to do that at scale. Um, and, and it's not copying and pasting the same message. It is, it does take more time because you have to research the person. You have to customize it. You have to make sure it's valuable for them, but there is a way that you can actually do it at scale while simultaneously making sure that it is something that's valuable, but it does require some, some thinking. So we can, we can dive into those or we can do that at a different time, but however you want to take it. <laughs> well, if you've got, if you've got time to share, uh, that would be cool. But um, I, we may well have a follow-up with you because like, I reckon there's lots more you've got to share. Sure. So. so I can do, I can do a high, high level cool. version of the magic connection method and I can go a lot more in depth depending on it. So we'll, we'll go super high level. And if we want to do a separate version, we can go super in depth for people, how they can use this, but cool. it's very simple. There's three parts to a magic connection method email, or like we were talking about before about a, a message on a, a social media platform. So it's not email specific, but mm. we'll just stick to emails for this, for this example. So three parts to it, hook, irresistible offer, no oriented question. And the whole goal of the magic connection method is simply to get people to respond to you. That is it. So many people, I feel like they try to say, Hey, book a call with me or check out my site. And it it leaves people confused. You just want to get people to lean in. So that is the whole goal of this process is to get people to respond to your first message. So the first part is the hook. Biggest mistake people make in the, in the very first sentences of an email is they make it hundred percent about them as in like the person that's reaching out. So you see this all the time, Sarah, I guarantee your inbox or your LinkedIn, it's filled with, hi, my name is Brandon Fong and I've done blah, 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 blah. I have a company that's done blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm a badass, you know, or whatever, you know, it's just like, it's like at this point you, it, it pushes you further away. Cause you don't really care. You don't even know why you should listen to this person. That doesn't matter. So what you have to do in the very beginning is make it about them. So some ways that you can do that, do you have a mutual connection? Did you, did you get results or value from something that they've shared? Do you respect or admire the company that they've created or the company they work for? Something that is a genuine compliment that you can give someone one to three sentences. Don't go beyond that. Otherwise it's just, you start looking weird. If you write a book on how, how good somebody is, then, <laughs> then, that, then, that, then that gets creepy. So genuine authentic. Let me, let me make sure that uh, I'm, I'm coming from a, a place of like, I actually researched you and this is about you. Then I'll transition besides wanting to share that with you. I did want to, I, I do have a quick question for you. And then you go into an irresistible offer. So like, depending on the person that you're reaching out to, how can you create something that is truly irresistible where it, it has a potential of a huge win for them? It's very frictionless. It doesn't require a lot of work for them to actually say yes or move forward to it. And there's a big difference between an irresistible offer and a normal offer. And since this is the abbreviated version, we can, I won't go into as many details, but irresistible offer. So how, what the person that you're creating for, can you, can you help them make more money? Can you save them more time? Can you provide them with the resources that would be valuable for them? Something along those lines and make it very easy for them to get. And then the last part is the no-oriented question. So I used to do yes-oriented questions, but we've talked about Chris Voss already, so I'll explain why. But like, I used to say, like, are you interested? So it'd be like, hey, Sarah, listen to the podcast. I, I, was super, I found so much value in this specific episode. Besides, I want to share that with you. 
you know, irresistible offer here. And then at the very end, instead of saying, are you interested in hearing more about it? I'll say, would you be opposed to blah, blah, blah? Or would it be ridiculous if I, and so that's a no oriented question instead of a yes oriented question. And I'll explain why. So Chris Voss, who I learned this from, he wrote the book, never split the difference that we talked about before. He's an ex FBI hostage negotiator. So this is the dude that's in the bottom of a basement with 20, hostages and $30 million and he's going to blow up the place. Like, what do you say to to make that guy not do that? And what he learned um, is that at the end of the day, we have a finite amount of yeses that we can give to someone, right? So, because every time you say yes, it means you're giving away your time. It means you're giving away your energy. It means you're giving away something. But at the same time, saying no makes us comfortable. We feel secure. We feel safe when we say no. So now now what he teaches is to ask no-oriented questions. So would it be a bad idea if would you be opposed to, would it be ridiculous if I, so now instead of forcing it on somebody, it's getting them to lean in and making it their decision. So would it be a bad idea if I sent over these resources for you to check out? And then as the person receiving that email, it's like, no, it's not a bad idea. Let me know more about it. And then, and then you can respond back and open the door to actually having a conversation with somebody. So that's it at a super high level. You show that you're really interested in somebody with a hook. You give them something that's super valuable to them. And then you, you get them to reply by asking a no-oriented question at the end. And that's the magic connection method. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's cool. And in fact, you did use it on me. I am <laughs> So I guess it works. <laughs> cool um and i think yeah we're going to talk about books a bit later but if you haven't read that book i mean obviously look up brands and stuff but that book is fantastic i especially like the the bit where he kicked the harvard guy's ass oh yeah 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 yeah. it's one of my favorites yeah it's really cool it's really cool thank you for that okay if you want to connect with someone but they're off the radar or have pr companies or agents What's your strategy for making that connection? Yeah, great question. I love this one. So I have a process or a, a strategy I, I developed called the silence do good strategy. And so this, this involves telling a, a really quick story. The, the story starts with this really young guy. I think he was 16 at the time. This isn't a story about me, by the way. I'll just, I'll make sure that it's, it's not that. So there's this young guy, he's 16 years old and his brother owns a print shop, a newspaper print shop. And what he would try to do is he would try to get his ideas published in his brother's newspaper, but he kept getting rejected. He would, he would submit it and they're like, you're 16 years old. You're not going to write in our newspaper. Who do you think you are? And so he got frustrated and he said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a fake persona, somebody named Silence Duguid. And this was a widow. So she was older. And so what he would do is he would write these, these things called Silence Duguid letters. He would write them and then he would slide them underneath the door of his brother's print shop. And so nobody knew, ever saw Silence Duga. They only saw these letters showing up every single day underneath the print shop and they liked them. And so they started publishing them in this newspaper these silence do good letters became so popular. Everybody's like, who the heck is silence do good? Like, this is incredible stuff. There were guys in the local area that would ask to marry silence do good because they liked these letters so much. And, and so let, let me ask, Sarah, do you happen to know who this is? Or maybe some people are listening. Do you know who this, this young boy was? No, I'm imagining it's someone quite famous by now. Yeah. So uh, he's on the $100 bill. So for the US listeners, it's, it's Benjamin Franklin. So this oh. is Benjamin Franklin that did this. And so the reason why I tell this story and why I call it the silence do good strategy is because if you're trying to contact some big company or uh, you know a big influencer, sometimes they have a gatekeeper, right? They're the person that's preventing you from getting to the person that you want. And it's the equivalent of 
uh, Benjamin Franklin submitting the the stuff j- just as himself, as, as Benjamin Franklin. But you need an equivalent of a silence do good. You need a way to slip your ideas through the door into the company and still find a way to kind of add value to people even and get past the gatekeepers. So where everybody's spending so much time, energy, and attention on like, like super high level people, there's usually, I'll give you the example. If you wanted to reach out to Jonathan Levy when I was working with him, he's somebody that's super busy. He's got thousands of emails in his inbox. Like, how do you reach out to him? If you reach out to him, it might get lost in the sea of nothing. But if you sent a magic connection method email and you came up with a bunch of ways you could add value to the company and you sent it to me working with Jonathan, I'm probably going to look at it and I don't have as clogged of an email inbox. And I'd be like, oh, this is interesting. I should go tell Jonathan about it. And then it goes right to Jonathan anyways. <laughs> so that's, that's a way that you can definitely think about it is like, if, if something's not working and if an approach isn't working, how can you identify a close second degree connection, somebody that you know would work with them? And how can you develop that relationship, add a lot of value to them, and then get your ideas passed through them? And I, I don't want to talk about this from the perspective of using that person, because it's like, that's not the intent. It's, it's how can you add value to this company. And like, obviously the person that you're reaching out to, you're going to make them look good if they bring an opportunity to the company that's actually going to add a lot of value. So that's the silence do good strategy and a really easy way that you can start getting to your foot in the door with companies that may be harder to get into. Cool. That's really cool. That's good. Okay. So for anyone that wants to find that one connection that you're talking about that makes all the difference, what are your top three tips? Um, well, I think I think the magic connection method is kind of like the the three tips. It's like it's it's easy when I say I spell it out into a three part formula, and it is. But it takes a lo- a while to master. I've been working on this for years. You can always get better at it. I'm always getting better at it. But I'd say a, a tip if you're going to learn what I call a, princ- a first principle skill of copywriting. Like copywriting is one of the most valuable things that you could use to become a better speaker. It's helped me to become a better speaker because it's like when you learn how to write better copy, you learn how to think better. You learn how to communicate more effectively. And so that's one of the one tip I would recommend is if somebody wants to be more effective with their communication and actually improve their speaking skills is learn how to write more effective copy and persuasive copy. So that's one. And then, yeah, I think off the top of my head, it's just the the other stuff is mostly covered. Um, Actually, I have a whole library of tips I could kind of rattle off the top of my head. One thing I notice about like emails that people will send is they'll send like paragraphs, huge paragraphs. So like the magic connection method email, when, when, when it's all said and done, it's not very long. It's, Mm. it's very short. It's very concise. So keep your emails, your, your sentences short. If you're thinking about putting a comma, consider putting a period and making it a new sentence. So, so see if you can make your sentences shorter, more concise, hit enter a lot. So you're not doing huge paragraphs because that's really intimidating for somebody to, to come across if you can write at a fifth grade level, that's ideal because like we think that we need to sound more formal and fancy and use big words, but unfortunately it just, it disconnects you from people. Like you want to communicate the way people would communicate. So that's another valuable thing that you can do is think about how uh, you can make your language actually dumber, more simple. (laughs) That's like the best way that you can do it. Another copywriting tip that comes into my mind is Joe Sugarman shares something, the analogy of a slippery slide. So how can you make it so that you start one sentence at the top and it naturally flows in the next one. So it's like you start at the top and then whoop, you pop out at the bottom and you read the whole thing. So it's like you want to make your, your emails or your, your writing like that. How can you start at that one thing and always transition? So a way that you can do that is something called bucket brigades. Bucket brigade is like, you know, just think semicolon or 
fact, semicolon. So it's like, if you, if you read that, it's like, you have to read the next sentence. And, and so those lead into it. So that was just kind of like a, a spewing of some, some Absolutely. copywriting tips and strategies you can add to make your messages and your, your emails more effective. Brilliant. Thank you for that. That's fantastic. And, and how you mentioned speaking there, how does speaking fit into your business model? It's everything for me. I mean, I, I don't speak. I mean, I, I do lots of podcast interviews. I have my own podcast. So learning how to tell better stories, learning how to pull out better stories from people, all incredibly, incredibly valuable. I think at the end of the day, and you you and I both agree with this, Sarah, I was definitely, it's like the theme of all what you talk about, but like storytelling is really what gets people to move. It's like mm-hmm. we have stories that are running in our head that are controlling our lives. And it's like, if you can learn how to tell a, a better narrative that helps replace a negative narrative that's in somebody else's mind, like that's really the next level of how you can really help people. So how does it work in my business? Like I'm always looking at telling stories. I'm always looking at getting to be a better storyteller. I'm looking at getting on podcasts, every single video content that I create or content for my business. I'm trying to make sure that I'm speaking more effectively and integrating that there. So it's, it's really not one spot in my business, but rather like pretty much everywhere I can put it, it's, it's important <laughs> and communicating with your, your, you know, communicating with somebody. I think it's not as much speaking. If you, you don't think it's speaking, if you're talking with one person, but what we talked about very early on the very beginning, having a conversation with one-on-one, you wouldn't consider that speaking. You wouldn't label that as speaking, but to me it is, it's the same communicating. It's the same storytelling. It's the same moving people forward to an action that you want them to take or adding value to them. So Really, I think speaking is everything. It's one of the one of the key first principle skills that I consider. It's like speaking and copywriting. And those two mm-hmm. things are some of the best things that you can have in your arsenal to help you really evolve in any any part of your business or life. I think that's absolutely true. And I think more so now than ever before with so many, you know, whatever platform you're using, you can't get away from speaking and storytelling. And as you say, copywriting, which is yeah. kind of like writing like you speak, I always think these days is what people need yeah. to get in their heads. So um, right. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, before I let you go, I've got a couple of standard questions and then I want to find out more about where people can work with you, find out more about the Magic Connection Method and all the other wonderful stuff that you've got to offer people. So first question, we may have just covered it to be fair, but I'll give you the opportunity to answer it. Um, <laughs> what's the best thing that speaking's done for you? Um, I would say speaking is really just, it's opened the doors to... Uh, all my relationships. Cause it's like, again, it's back in the context of how I just answered it. It's not as much of like a presentation to people as much as it is. Like if you can master the art of showing up, having energy that people enjoy listening to, it's like, that's been the core of how I develop relationships with people. And like going back to when I was 16, like I just brought a lot of energy <laughs> and people enjoy the, the, the energy that I could bring. And so maybe it's not speaking in the traditional sense, but like that, that one thing of learning how to communicate and talk to people and develop relationships has really transformed everything. Yeah. That's, you know, this is a really important point actually for, for everyone listening is that you can be a speaker, but if you don't have the energy, if you don't show people that you care about what you're talking about, if you don't bring passion then they're not going to be interested either. So that's a really important point. And that's something that a lot of speakers still don't get right, getting that intensity and passion in in their message. So that's really important. Yeah. And can I kind of ask you a question, Sarah? I'm kind of curious to get your opinion on this because I think learning how to have conversations with people individually helps you become a better speaker to the masses. Because at least as a copywriter, if I'm writing to 100,000 people, 
I'm trying to really write to just one person because I'm trying to, if I'm trying to write to everybody, it's not going to resonate with everybody. And I found that to be the same with speaking. So do you find that to be true is that by learning how to communicate with just one person at a time, that that translates into your speaking when you're on a stage? I think it's very, I think it's very helpful. So, so when I teach people to speak and or, to, or even do stand up comedy, what I talk to them about is it's like having a conversation with friends at a pub. So I would say, you know, I think absolutely all the same rules apply to having a conversation with one person as with an audience. But I think possibly the only thing that I would say that the difference with speaking is, ha- is bringing that little bit more energy to if you were talking to a group of people, even just sure. a small group, than talking to one person. That's the subtle difference. But absolutely, you know, you need to be making connections with, you know, looking at individual people in the audience, making connections with them. And then if you've got a big audience or, you know, is, is finding the people in the audience that other people are paying attention to and sure. talking to them, that has a big influence on the people around them. So yeah, absolutely. There's, if you can get it right with one person, it's not much of a leap to getting it right with a big audience. So good question. Awesome. Have you ever had a bad speaking gig at all? Mm. I'm trying to, th- I, I'm trying, I'm very fortunate that like my parents have taught me about communicating. So it's like, usually when I was in school and classes, like I was always the one that was most excited about speaking. Cause I was just kind of naturally good at it, yeah. but I, I have to have had an opportunity where I like totally flopped. Um, Oh, I did have one. I was trying to think of a very specific one. I was doing a, a elevator pitch for uh, a, a startup that I was working on in college and I was giving the presentation and that's, that's how I've changed my speaking styles because it was, it was too memorized. It was like, it was memorized. Every single word had to be there. And I was given the presentation and I forgot a word and, and the rest of the, you know, when that happens, it's like, if it's too scripted, it's like, I forgot the word and the rest was just deleted in my brain. So then, then you just kind of stand up there and you're like, well, I just don't remember anything anymore. So I mean, I guess that's changed my approach for speaking is I like having points. I like having slides that encourage me to tell certain stories, but the way it comes out is always going to be different every single time, uh, depending on the audience, but I know what I'm trying to get done. So yeah, that was definitely a time I flopped as I was giving this presentation flubbed up on one sentence. And then it was like, I just kind of had to sit there for the rest of the two minutes because I didn't know what I was supposed to say after that. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to let go of that script. Absolutely. And people don't trust themselves. That's the thing. You've got to get to the point where you know it, but you can let go of it at the same time. That's that's really cool. Okay. This might be a tough one for you. What's the book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? Hmm. It's funny because it's like recently changed. uh, I would say that one of the most impactful things that I've read recently, I would argue to say that's one of the most important things is this book called Unique Ability 2.0 by Strategic Coach and Dan Sullivan. And it really, it dovetails really nicely into the magic connection method because it's like the idea behind unique ability, it's that we all have a specific set of skills that we are incredibly good at it. We're insanely passionate about it. We love doing it. We want to constantly get better at it. And where most people fall trapped to is they don't spend time doing those activities, but rather they spend time in activities that they're excellent at. And there's a difference between things that you're excellent at and things that are in your unique ability. And so once you can identify your unique ability, it's very, very liberating because then you can give yourself permission to not do the things that you're, you're good at. Because it's like the things that you hate doing, they break it out into four quadrants. Unique ability, top left, top right, excellent, bottom left, competent, and bottom right, incompetent. And the mind-shattering part is the things that you are incompetent at, that 
you just would rather throw your computer at the wall or do anything else than, than do those incompetent activities. Those are somebody else's unique ability. And that's just like a huge eye-opening thing is that when you can understand how to partner with people that are in their unique ability that, that complement yours, it's, they, they have this other concept called who, not how. That's yes. so, so critical. Is, not, is rather not, instead of saying, how can I accomplish this, but rather who can help me accomplish this. And so I personally think that that's really the secret to building a business you love, to really scaling anything is understanding your unique ability. And then I think, you know, selfishly pairing that with the magic connection method and learning how to develop those relationships with the people that are outside of your zone of genius, but can really just accomplish it. Once you understand your unique ability and other people's unique abilities, it's a multiplication effect. So I think that that's been a huge influence in my life that I would say almost put on the top of of the other things, but lots of other books that have influenced me. If I could just give one right now, that's probably the one that's most relevant. Brilliant. Thank you for that. That's great. I will put that in the show notes. And I don't think I've checked that out. I've heard who, not how, but from Russell Brunson, he talks about find the who, not the how. They just released who, not how the book with my friend, Benjamin Hardy, that, that uh, I, he wrote the book, uh, willpower doesn't work. And also the book personality isn't permanent, but he wrote the book with Dan Sullivan uh, called who, not how. And I haven't even finished reading that yet, but that's, if you want to dive into that concept as well, I think their site is just, you can just search who, not how, I don't know how else you find it. <laughs> oh, I'll put that in the, in the notes in case people want to check that out too. Excellent. Okay. A penultimate question. What's the best bit of business advice you've ever had and why? Hmm. The first thing that comes to my mind is like the, the first thing that my mentor said, but I don't know if that's the best piece of advice I've got, but I'm just kind of drawing a blank. It's, it's kind of hard to say the best one, but I think I said it before. It's like at, when you ask for advice, you get money. You get, but if you ask for money, you get advice. I don't want to put that as like my, the best business piece of advice. I think at the end of the day, I don't know where I heard this from, but it's like business at the end of the day is people. Money is people. At the end of the day, it's all people. And like, it's so easy to think about businesses as these things, these leaving, these things that are outside. But at the end of the day, it's run by people. It's for people. And when you lose that perspective, you lose touch of your marketing, you lose touch of your speaking. And so I think that that, that, that would be, I don't know how, how I can put a bow on that, but just understanding that at the end of the day, business is people and, and that any skill that you can develop that will help you to connect with people more is really going to help you to achieve anything greater because that's what it's all made of. So I th- I'd say that, that that would probably be one of the biggest insights I've had that has helped me in my business journey is understanding that business is really just people. So that's really cool. And I think it is really easy, especially when you're marketing, when, you've, when you're in the online business world or you know, whatever speaking, where you're looking at the numbers a lot to, you know, everything's about the numbers, this percentage and that percentage and that percentage, or even the number of people on your email list. At the end of the day, those numbers are people and you've got to connect yeah. with them first in order to make the sale. So I think that's yeah. really valuable what you just shared. So that's cool. I, I would also add to another huge thing that's been massive for me is understanding that the next level of your business, of your life is, is never or very, very rarely is it a tactic it's usually the result of greater clarity in your own life. And clarity is power. Clarity is velocity. And so the more clarity you can have and the more people you can surround yourself with that can help give you more clarity, the more powerful you're going to get. And so it's, it's always the next level from what I've seen working with the highest level people. It's very rarely a tactic or a strategy. It's always clarity and fundamentals and understanding 
who you are as a person. Cause it's like, I, I know, you know, I believe that businesses are an external manifestation of what is going on internally. Right. So it's like, if you have somebody that has a totally screwed up business, there's a chance that it's like, there's some stuff going on that are, that is blocking them in their own brain. And so that's another thing I would say. It's not, it's, it's about people. And then it's also always about clarity and, and getting different perspectives to help you break to the next level. And that's, what's going to really make the difference is not the shiny object, new social media platform or tactic that sounds really exciting at the time. Absolutely. So you yeah, you, I'm a big believer in subscribe to your thoughts, create your reality. And, mm, and uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's really important. And that's what will slow you down and stop you and get in your way all the time, I think. So thank you for sharing that. Last question. If you could choose one mentor and they can be alive or dead fictional or non-fictional who would you choose and why <laughs> mentor one mentor you know it's funny um i think lots of the times people say that they want a mentor that's like a billionaire you know like an elon musk or a tim ferris or someone like that but to me i don't think that that would be as valuable and it's funny i'm going to give the answer that that's kind of like a, a touchy feely answer but the mentor i have right now is is really my dream mentor right now jules duncan and she is absolutely incredible and she she created this group called pride for leaders which is a strategic partnership network so she it's like you have to be uh, have a seven figure business or have experience running a seven figure business to be inside of this community. And she co-created this community that's based both mostly on strategic partnerships and helping people to form greater relationships. And, um, I, I talk with her twice a week and it's like, she helps download the information that she's gleaned from all these Titans, uh, into my brain. And like that, that has really just helped me not only being a part of tribe for leaders, but also working really closely with Jules, because it's like, when you, like I said, clarity is power, clarity is velocity. And that's something I've learned from Jules, but it's like, when you can have somebody that can give you the insights and the visibility of seeing where things are breaking and where things are going well across many different industries. Um, I think that that was, is just a dream come true to have somebody that has that kind of visibility and insights to help coach me. And so that's, that's my answer is the mentor I have right now. <laughs> so thank you, Jules, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. No, that's cool. Smashing. Brandon, you've been so generous and I really appreciate everything that you've shared. I think people probably need to listen to this a couple of times because there's stuff there that they may not pick up the first time, but they should definitely, definitely uh, take on board. So really appreciate it. I loved speaking with you. The next thing I want to ask you is if people want to find out more about uh, working with you, the Magic Connection Method, where's the best place for them to go? So I got a bunch of things going on right now. And I, one thing, I, don't, I hate to add something at the very end, but the, the, the number one focus I'm working on right now is a new brand called Seven Figure Millennials. Mm -hmm. And the goal of Seven Figure Millennials is to inspire millennial entrepreneurs to pursue big financial goals while prioritizing their health, happiness, and relationships. And I'm on a mission right now to change the global conversation around what success means. Because you and I both know listening to this or me talking to Sarah right now, when you say, oh, that person's successful, what does that mean? as far as society goes right now, all you need to do to be successful is you need the big house, you need the fancy car, you need the fancy job. But I don't think that that's what mean, success should mean, especially if you're feeling like you hate yourself on the inside. So seven figure millennials is all about, like I said, allowing people to pursue big goals while making sure that they're prioritizing the important things. So maybe you don't even want a seven figure business and that's fine, but are you creating a business and a lifestyle that supports the most important things, the happiness, health, and relationships? So um, that's a community that I'm really passionate about right now. And what I'm growing, I have a new 
podcast that I just launched called the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where I'm bringing on people that exemplify that mission and sharing what's working on my journey. Um, and so that I don't even have a site up for that yet. But if you go and you check out the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, you can find out and listen to the people that I'm bringing on that show. Um, Magic Connection Method, you can go to magicconnectionmethod.com. I got a book. There's some incredible bonuses I put in there for, for other people, but I wanted to do something very special for your audience. So if you grab that book and you use the coupon code 7FM, I will give you access to um, a, a Magic Connection Method Accelerator program where I literally created like a course around this. So this is something I'm going to be selling for several hundred dollars in the future. But like you can, you can for your audience, you can use the coupon code, what I give to my audience, 7FM for seven figure millennials. And you can grab that and get, there's even more bonuses. I give like $800 worth of bonuses for a $7 book. And I'm not, I'm not here to make money for it. I just want to give people a, a, lot, a ton of value for that. So there's Magic Connection Method, use this coupon code 7FM. And then for your audience specifically, um, I created a link for you guys where I can give you some more advanced additional training and bonuses. Um, so I thought one of the most valuable things I could do for you is what if I just wrote some magic connection method emails for you? <laughs> what if I gave that to your audience? And so if you guys know how to copy and paste and hit send, I, I created some different hooks, some different irresistible offers and some different no oriented questions that you can kind of just copy and paste that work really well for you. Um, and I gave a bunch of other goodies as well. I, maybe just that can be a surprise when you go to the page. So the link is a little, a little bit of a different link. It's a short link. Um, and so my name is Brandon Fong. So the, the, the short link I created is bfo.ng. So bfong, bfo.ng slash TSC for the speaking club. So bfo.ng slash TSC. And like, if you just go there, that will be the hub to everything else. It'll show you my site. It'll show you how to download the podcast and it'll show you the coupon code and how to get access to all the other bonuses that I mentioned. So Yeah. Thank you so Brilliant. much for, for, for having me and, and really excited to have people use that and take that to the next level. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time again. I hope uh, we meet again in the future in some some sphere and maybe get you back on the show as well to talk a bit more about maybe the, the seven-figure millennial aspect of things as well. So cool. Thank you once more, Brandon. Really appreciate it and good luck with everything that you're working on. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Well, I did promise at the start of the show that there would be loads in this episode Brandon delivered. He was incredibly generous and there's so many tips and ideas that you can put straight into play to begin building those high impact connections. And I especially love the value add ideas for when you're reaching out to people who are further ahead in the entrepreneurial or speaking journey than you are. Also, Brandon is like a really genuine guy and he walks the talk. Trust me, he just he just does. He's, he's a great, great guy. So do go and check out the freebie that he's put together for you. And the link to that is in the show notes. Fantastic. Well, once again, I want to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you do put some of Brandon's ideas or my little bits that I threw in here and there into play, then do let me know. You'll find me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's at Sarah Archer 15. Or if you uh, want to come on over to the Facebook group, you can join me there. And that's the Speaking Club Facebook hub. And you get lots of extras there besides uh, getting notified about the show. So I will see you next time. And in between, don't forget to go out and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. Getting to practice your speaking in front of an audience is a crucial part of testing your message and developing your skills and experience as a speaker. 
Yet opportunities to do this in the right environment can be hard to find. Add in the chance to get expert feedback and coaching on your content structure and delivery and the opportunities are even fewer. But that's what you'll get as a member of the Speaking Club Live. Each week, we'll be focusing on a different aspect of business speaking, from pitching to presenting to videos and lives. There'll be hot speak slots and you'll get the chance to practice sharing your message, your storytelling, your humour and all the different aspects of speaking in front of me and other members. Then you'll get feedback and coaching from me and your peers so that you're moving forward on your speaking journey with accountability and support. If you'd like to find out more about how you can become a member of the Speaking Club Live so that you can build your confidence, improve your delivery and become a better speaker, then go to saraharcher.co.uk slash club now.